0: Check out Sunset Lake CBD today at sunsetlakecbd.com and use the code UNDERMINE for 20% off your order. That's sunsetlakecbd.com and use the code UNDERMINE for 20% off your order. Farmer-owned, Vermont-grown, Sunset Lake CBD. Hey listeners, I want to tell you about Music Masters Collective, a nonprofit organization that produces unique music events, providing opportunities for fans and artists to meet and collaborate in an inspired and creative atmosphere. These events give you the opportunity to learn from world-class musicians like the Fab Foe, Steve Earle, Richard Thompson, John Schofield, Nels Klein, the Milk Carton Kids, and many more. This June, join the Wait Band, featuring members of the band and the Levon Helm Band with special guests including Jimmy Vivino, Bob Margolin, Lost Leaders, Chris O'Leary, Cindy Cashdollar, Stony Creek Band, Rob Fraboni, Larry Packer, and so many more at Camp Cripple Creek. This all-inclusive music vacation in the Catskill Mountains of upstate New York promises to be a once-in-a-lifetime experience featuring performances, workshops, jams, comfortable lodging, and superb dining. Visit CampCrippleCreek.com slash Undermine to register today. That's CampCrippleCreek.com slash Undermine.
1: Osiris. we're back with undermine season four and welcome to episode 44 i'm tom marshall and i'm the person who says things and then i talk and then i say more things about this tour fall 97 the tour that stands alone among other fish tours as the cow funkiest ever we are diving into each show from this tour on its 25th anniversary today we're in ice cold rochester new york 12 11 97 and we're drawing very close to the end of this amazing tour and therefore we're also close to the end of this season of undermined having either of two fine gentlemen co-pilot this season with me has been an unexpected pleasure so rj and benji thank you today joining me is the emmy award-winning construction foreman rjb hi rj hey
0: tom it's it's been an unexpected pleasure because you thought that it would be horrible
1: <laughs> no just uh uh you know having a co-pilot you know at yeah. all is yeah. is i didn't know what to expect but uh you yeah guys yeah have just, been fantastic. i'm just
0: i'm just messing with you uh <laughs> this is great we are on the third to last show of the tour the third to last show of the season the third to last something else because third thirds work but i can't think of one right now so we're going to rochester we have a great guest um this is a show that that is Widely celebrated. There's a soundboard recording um, that that was released, but it's not an official recording, um, but really amazing show. There's a lot going on here. We're excited to talk to our guest about it, who was there and who also happens to be a podcast host and writer and all kinds of other things. This is the third to last time I'm going to tell you that if you want to support what we're doing, please consider... Subscribing to Osiris Premium. Go to osirispod.com slash premium for ad-free episodes, bonus content, and more. We just did a bonus episode that we released um, last week, so you might enjoy that. Uh, we're also going to be, I guess when this comes out, when the day this comes out, if you're in the Philadelphia area within two hours and you are listening to this in the morning of sunday december 11th and you would like something to do in the evening please come join us at the ardmore music hall we're gonna have an amazing set of music with some great musicians including cal kehoe of pink talking fish he's organizing this band we're gonna have some special guests and tom benji and i are gonna be talking on stage about fall 97 we're gonna have contests a a lot more and if you can't make it you can stream it go to volume.com slash osiris we'll put that in the show notes okay tom where do we go next
1: um I think you mentioned one of our sponsors, or you're about to, you're going to hear about, but I just, I just want to point out to people on YouTube that I'm wearing a smart will Grateful Dead t shirt right at this moment. So, uh, we, we, you know, we put, put our money where our mouth is and actually wear the, the clothing that we talk about. So anyway, today's guest is Jesse Jarno, a writer, a DJ on WFMU and the co host of the official Good old Grateful Dead cast. uh, Jesse has been on Undermine, Under the Scales. He's a good friend of Osiris. And he's a writer and the host of After Midnight, the Osiris podcast about Big Cypress. And he's also written the books, Heads, a Biography of Psychedelic America, Big Day Coming, Yola Tango, and the Rise of Indie Rock, and Wasn't That a Time, The Weavers, The Blacklist, and the Battle for the American Soul. Let me bring Jesse in from the waiting room. There he is. is. (laughs) I is. is. (laughs) Hi, Jesse. How are you? Good. Hey, RJ. Hey, guys. Hey,
0: Jesse. Good to see you, man. (laughs) Nice
1: to see you. Welcome, Jesse, to season four (laughs) of Undermine. We hope you've been listening as we've uh, traversed one of the most amazing historical fish tours, Fall 97. And uh, you saw this show. But I I I was wondering, I was wondering what brought you up to the northern border of the United (laughs) States in a very
2: very cold winter had you seen a lot of fish by this point i had Uh, so i was a freshman in college in the fall of 97 uh in oberlin uh south of cleveland which meant that i was you know five or six or seven hours from anywhere just conveniently conveniently located um and i only saw eight shows this tour, I guess. Um wow. it was, you know, I was away from home for the first time. I was like, wow, I can go to all the shows I want to go to. Um, so yeah, I'd been seeing fish since '95, since summer '95. Um, and had, you know, seen a couple of shows each tour since then. And this was the first really the first time I could just do do whatever I wanted. So um some friends, I don't even remember how so I went to Hampton a couple weekends before that. Um somebody was driving in this baby, baby blue VW bug. So we hitched a, ride to a couple friends and I went to Hampton for the weekend. The weekend immediately before these shows in in Rochester, uh, were the show the, the local shows. Um, they played in Cleveland, which was sort of local, and then in um in Auburn Hills, and then in Dayton. So, you know, mean my me and my gang went to that. And then these shows, you know sort of vaguely kind of maybe a little close to ohio <laughs> no not really um but somehow found a ride it's on, it's on an email list or rec music fish but found a ride with somebody I, I didn't know um and we some friends and i like took the bus from did we take the bus all the way to cleveland i don't know i don't remember where he took the bus to but he met us at a bus station and met up with this guy from the internet and <laughs> got in his car and Drove to Rochester, and it was great. And, you know, I, so I had friends. I had a, I had a good friend in Binghamton who drove up for that show. And so this is my freshman year in college. Uh, I didn't go home for fall break, and I, I think Thanksgiving break was, like, too short to see my friends. So this was, like, really the first time I had seen my really close friends since I went away for college, um, you know, three months before that or, or two and a half months before that, whatever nice. that was. So I met up with them outside the show. I don't have no memory of how we found each other. We found each other, you know. Awesome. <laughs> now whatever way you find each other outside fish shows in 1997, we found yeah, each other. And before cell phones existed. Before cell phones existed. Um, or yeah. And well, you, you were treated great. to an amazing, amazing show. It was, oh man, this is I have such fond memories of this, of this specific. I mean, I have fond memories of every show I saw in Fall 97. Yep. But this one. Really, I mean, part of it is that glow, like really that glow from seeing my, my my best buds after not seeing them for months. And, you know, we're all obviously like big, big fish fans and have been keeping up with this tour. And, and you know, I can't remember if they'd seen anything before that point, but I definitely got to be like, oh man, Hampton was amazing. You got to get the tapes. i like, you know, that kind I, of uh, stuff. Uh,
1: yeah, I I remember... Well, well, two things. Let me preface this by saying, and and I apologies to Ro- Rochester or people living <laughs> nearby, but to me, I've lived in New Jersey forever, and Rochester isn't close to an- anything, as far as I can tell. It seems like it falls in this anomaly where it's basically Canada, as far as I'm <laughs> concerned. But uh, um, and then Buffalo's up there too, right? They're all up there. Syracuse. I had a friend at Cornell. It was very, very. It seemed very, very far. But um, it was worth it. And in my rule book, any show that opens with punch you in the eye is going to be great. And even today, that's still true. That's a rule that that somehow works. Um, but this disease into maze, uh, to me, is a must listen. I had more fun re-listening to this show than I think any show in this tour. Uh, for oh, whatever wow. reason, um, and, and uh, RJ knows, I don't listen, I don't re-listen a lot. But this is... Just an amazing. This it's a must listen. Disease into maze. It's and it's not cow funky, but it has a lot of the magic that makes fish fish back in ninety seven. And and down with disease has this remarkably artistic uh slow slow down into a, a fantastically relaxed jam. And at one point, it even stops for like sixteen bars, and then the the band resumes as if nothing happened and then a segue into one of the best mazes
2: ever. And I'm sure people there were dumbfounded. Do you, do you recall set one getting off to such an amazing start? Oh yeah. I mean, the energy definitely, I mean, both of the sets start with this kind of like just, you know, pose of energy for the first, basically, you know, I guess both sets are kind of like an hour each. So it's sort of like the, you know, but the first half of each, you know, more than that in the second set, but it's just, you know, this pure, just, you know, Pure rock and roll energy. I mean, that punch you in the eye. Even to jump back before that, "Down with Disease" is the. It's one of those ones where they really extend out the intro, you know, and they're kind of like riding that groove. Beautiful. It had been a minute since I put on any Fall 97 Fish. Usually, when I'm like in a fish mood, I kind of there's always so much new stuff to catch up on that I put on put on whatever the most you know the most recent stuff is, and just hitting play on Fall 97 Fish, you know. I mean, it certainly gave me the feels, but just, you know, just hearing, I, c- I can't even necessarily put my finger on what is so different about it. You know, sort of the way everybody fits in the groove is is just this very 1997 thing. A lot of even just sort of the subtle differences in, in the, the textures and tones that all all the guys are using, but it's just, it's just a s- distinct way of, of them falling into punch you in the eye. And the it just the and then they just float over that groove before they even hit the the you know the big energetic composed part and so so I went to the opera a couple of weeks ago. This is a, a very slight tangent. I don't usually go to the opera. It's not not my thing. And my friend my friend Dave brought me. I had this you know not a terribly profound thought somewhere in the middle of the, of the opera. Wow, this is a lot like. Prog rock, you know, <laughs> it was silly, silly, goofy thoughts in the middle of the opera. But then now, going back and listening to this beginning of the punch you in the eye when they get to the really like the big dramatic swelling composed part right before all that the hey, all the hey haze and the whatnot. Um, I, I, listening to this recording, I think like, oh, this must be what it's like if you like go to the opera and you really know the score and you know when the dramatic stuff is coming and you know how you know, the orchestra is supposed to fit together and how, you know, the strings are supposed to like hit at this exact moment and like hearing punch you in the eye, like that, them hit that intro was just this swelling, dramatic, emotional moment for me that's like, oh yeah, this is what the opera people are like. <laughs> um, and yeah, that that punch you is great and that down, and it just it carries right into that down with disease and you, you to, to sort of get into that jam that you mentioned, it's yeah, it's you know this tour is remembered for you know the cow funk and the grooves and you know just the the dancing, but there's all this other stuff that's not that that this Down with the Disease is that it's psychedelic art rock, something like that. Whatever it is, I love that that space. Um, you know, Rob Mitchum points this out in his in his you know fellow Osiris. Personality Rob Mitchum points this out in his in his newsletters that you know the funk is sort of in 1997 kind of like a it's sort of a way station it's sort of like a, they pass through it sometimes and get out to this other side this other f- space that they're exploring also kind of for the first time in, in a lot of ways um, and the down with disease is just it's just beautiful and articulate and it goes to all these places and that that pause I had to go back <laughs> like I rewound that part that you mentioned Tom a couple of times. Like, do they just stop? Because it, it, it's a stop. They do. A, there's a lot of that sort of stop-starting thing. You can that tell they they're were...
1: counting because the, the the pickup is effortless and perfect. They're like uh, amazing.
2: Right, so it's a stop-start thing, but it's not quite like the funky, like, hit-the-beat stop-start. No, no, And it's it's almost like they come to, they finish, like, the musical thought, whatever is happening, and they kind <laughs> of, like, come to, like, a little landing. And then when I rewound, one of the things, that it's like, oh, there's, like, still a loop going. There's, yeah. like, one tra- of Trey's loops is still going. Yeah. And they, 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 they all come back in on that. And it's just, and it's, the other thing that struck me about that moment is that often when Fish does, like, a stop-start thing, it's it's very much an energy thing. Bam. And everyone, big explosion of cheers. You know, probably these days there's like a woo or two. Um, But in in, in that moment, it's kind of quiet and it's, you know, it's not that people aren't cheering, but it's like a pause as opposed to like a hard beat kind of thing. And then it just sort of keeps flowing. And I really like, it's a, it's a vocabulary piece that I really like, you know, it's yeah. You don't hear a lot of it elsewhere. Or maybe you do, and I just, I'm not remembering when that's happened. to happen, but You hear it a lot in opera, you hear it a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to go back and keep a set list next time. <laughs> um, but yeah, and that was, yeah, and a great segue into Maze, like a full-flowing one that's not, you know, sometimes they would they would start the, the the intro and kind of like ride the intro for a while before they hit it, but this is kind of like, they're in a space for a while before they even get to the before they even get to fishman's part. Um, so it's, oh. yeah, great, great, great transition. <laughs> um,
0: so Jesse, this, uh, you, we've sort of been talking about this, but I just want to get your take on the evolution. Cause I think there is a, it's funny cause I went, I was in college at Ohio state at the time. So sort of down the road from you, but not actually, and you were, cl- you were a couple hours closer to Rochester. <laughs> right. um, so it was a little <laughs> too far for me, but I, I did go to state college and back um, along with those others that you mentioned, but I feel like this is a pretty different sound than we got at the beginning of the tour, especially on the like reliance on more straightforward funk grooves. You know, there, this is like, there's some intense, dark, you know, jamming with some like really serene moments. And I'm just curious about how you see this. We're getting toward the end of the tour. Like, how do you see the evolution from the beginning to where we are now? Sound wise.
2: Oh, that's a good question. Yeah. I'm not even, I'm not sure I have a solid answer for that. Um, yeah, I mean, it's just I'm I'm fascinated by that thing that you know Trey said when he's when when he spoke to you guys and when he when he I think he says this in the fish book as well that you know they they were listening to themselves every night on that tour and I think usually that means they were listening to the Denver show I don't know I, I don't know if that meant they like kept listening to like whatever yeah. the new th- the new things were so in a way it's almost like it's getting more. I almost said self-referential, but that's not exactly right because mm. earlier fish is definitely that. I mean, I don't know. I'm not. I'm not. I, I I actually I haven't gone back and listened to everything on this tour recently, so I'm yeah. not. I'm not. I, I'm not sure I can totally answer that one with in a in a convincing way. <laughs> but, what, Tom, what but, about you? Sorry, oh, I'm, sorry to interrupt. Yeah, that's
0: cool.
1: Y-
2: yeah, no, no. I,
1: I I don't I don't detect like an evolution. But That's not like I've gone and listened to every single show, obviously. Um, but yeah, and I was going to ask Jesse about this for set two, because there's a specific song I want to talk to him about it. But, um, yeah, it seems like the cow funk is like, you know, turned on now and then now, and it's not as, um, a novelty, uh, as much of a novelty, but, uh, you know, they use it, they can, it's in their bag of tricks now, but they're kind of just not retreating, but they're, they're going to a place where they've... You know they're so skillful and they're so in tune with each other and and able to turn these incredible jams uh, into uh, amazing pieces. Like uh, I don't know. It, it, so I would just say they've evolved into a, like a more perfect fish. I don't. It, it, <laughs> I, I don't really want it to be uh, cow funky. You know, Benji keeps saying this isn't a cow funk tour anymore.
2: It, it might. I, I might agree with him. I mean, one of the things that I that I did keep coming back to listening to this is that in a way, the, 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 the funk almost like focuses all these other things that they had in their bag before this, like the noisy stuff. And, you know, like, you know, fall 95 and summer 95, they would go off into these like long, really spacey bowies, really spacey tweezers and all that kind of stuff. And I feel like the funk is kind of this like element that is a way to kind of like glue those elements together and they can kind of like go to that really noisy like out space and and the fact that they can kind of like all fall back together into this pocket kind of like co- makes that feel more coherent than I think it did in earlier eras of Fish when it can kind of feel like oh, they're going from like a spaced out episode and now they're going to like space out even more for 20 minutes and then it coheres into something else and I feel like when the, the funk sort of like marbles it in a, in a, in a way um, yeah, and you, I feel like you hear that in set two, um, pretty pretty clearly. You know, kind of going between the. This is sort of jumping ahead a little bit, but like sort of it sort of blows out into noise after after the big black furry creature from Mars and um, recoheres into in, into ghost and into that portion of it. And you kind, I feel like the you can kind of hear the balance between those those parts of fish. You know, those elements going on in that set. Can I
0: Tom, can I just jump in one real quick? I just yeah. want to ask sort of a little bit off off the script here, but um jesse you you've interviewed trey a bunch and and most recently, at least with us, you did what ten hours of interviews for <laughs> alive again um about trey's solo career did did anything that he said about ninety seven versus ninety three like did anything that he said in that interview that we did about eleven seventeen surprise you or or was that kind of in line with what you heard have heard from him over the years in terms of how he views these different eras
2: no that's that's you know that's pretty much holds up with what you know what what i expected the take to be i thought yeah you know, i guess the thing there were a couple things that you know like just raised my eyebrows in in ways here you know hearing his take on it after you know the fish book kind of becomes this like canonical version of 1997 because it was yep. done right then and everybody's been reading it and you know since then, and it's like, oh, you know we started the no analysis rule, so we didn't fight. It's like, oh, that's not how you put it then <laughs> <You know? laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> but it's like it's like, oh okay, that makes that's like it, you know it sort of clarifies clarifies the band dynamic a little bit in that way, but no, nothing it all it, you know the progression from you know manic 1992 1993 fish into sort of crazed you know space 1994, 95 fish kind of adjacent to surrender to the air and that kind of like the really exploratory push that whole arc makes, you know, such the traditional fish arc you know, that into remain in light into the, the funk all makes perfect sense to me. Obviously, you know, when you go through it show by show, like, like Rob has been doing, you, you know, it's, you know, it's not all a smooth transition. Things come in lumps and starts and then they sort of backtrack and it kind of, you know, sort of bursts through at this point. Um, but it was so exciting as a fan just to be, you know, watching all this and and experiencing all this in real time. Because it was like, you know, and it you all, you know, it's not like any of this stuff was that terribly subtle. Like it was like, like oh yeah, this is a new <laughs> a new mode for them. This is, you know, they they've pushed through, and it was it didn't feel like an, an, a be all end all mode necessarily for me. The arc then not the end point of the arc but the next big point in it is kind of like the sickety stuff and the sickcadady stuff which is happening at the same time as this fall tour totally but but for me the um the lemon wheel fourth set um the ring of fire set is a really like um again not an end point but a just sort of one of the places all these things were pointing very much for me as a listener like you know which isn't necessarily cow funk it's kind of like pushing through into sort of that the sparkling ambient pretty stuff that comes often after they were in that that funk zone of of just sort of open open open-ended improv and for me just as a you know as a yeah i was still a teenager at that point um just the further they went into improvisation um you know without reference to song points was just so thrilling to me and that was for me that was like what all this stuff was pushing towards like the jams are getting longer and not only are they getting longer they're getting more um not structured but there's more there's more movement within them it felt like and more more awareness of you know we're gonna land in this space and then develop this space and make this a you know it's its own mood and episode for 10 or 15 minutes that kind of stuff and it was that was that was so cool to and I, you know, I I guess I didn't have a whole lot to compare it to either, for that matter. Um, so it was really like a a lesson in improvised music for me, just you know, hearing the band evolve over this, you know, these couple of years together.
1: Beautiful, beautiful. And uh having your uh your experience uh you know brought to a point and focusing uh, you know, our you know, we've been we've been like trying to analyze just like Rob show by show hearing you sort of bring back the lens and talk about fish with all your experience cuz you've analyzed many bands the dead <laughs> Yola Tango, hearing hearing your expert take on it and kind of justifying some of our conclusions <laughs> uh actually feels really good um let me bring back uh uh-huh. if if you don't mind uh yeah. the focus right before we take a break one quick question about set 1 just to bring us back to this show um limb by limb is is such a beautiful, perfect jam and an example of what Fish had to offer back then, which obviously was outstanding. Um, And then just let me pile on. Maze, Disease, Limb by Limb, uh, three contenders for me anyway for Best Evers, certainly Best in Tour. Do you agree?
2: Yeah, I mean, I guess my brain doesn't necessarily rank things in terms of Best Evers or Best in Tours, but but all three of those are just spectacular versions. And the Limb by Limb jumped out at me because it's sort of another big theme. The other the other biggest theme of 1997 for me is all this new material. And something that was always so exciting and so cool about seeing fish is that this stuff is unrecorded or unofficially recorded. This, this stuff isn't on albums. You can only get it on these tapes. And if you're a fishhead, head, you're like keeping up with this repertoire. And like, it's like, oh, they played this, there are these three songs that they only played this one night in Dublin. How do we, you know, got to hear those three, too, you know? <laughs> And so hearing these things evolve And Limb by Limb was one that really I feel like they got a much better hand, Handle on that song Over the course of the year Just because it's such a tricky song And by the time they get to Rochester It's so elegant and so graceful And is like Just a, you know, almost like the full Vision of that draft of the songs so I think it, it changed, I think In in Spring 98 when they Locked it down for Ghost I think they the arrangement changed a little bit um, but that version, they, it's just, because it, it definitely sounds, you know, tentative a little bit on the summer recordings. So the thing that what grabbed me about that was just how how inside the song they were and how it was kind of like they, that song kind of creates a new vocabulary to jam on. And then this is just such a perfect articulation of that. Um, it was it, It's such a great standalone limb by limb. I'm right there with you. Before we get into set two, let's take a quick break.
0: Hey, listeners, I want to tell you about one of our great partners, DistroKid. DistroKid makes music distribution fun and easy with unlimited uploads and artists keeping 100% of their royalties and earnings. If you're a musician and looking to get your music out there, DistroKid is the way to go. DistroKid is available for iOS and Android and is now available in Apple's App Store and the Google Play Store. More than a million artists rely on DistroKid to get their music onto Spotify, Apple Music, YouTube, TikTok, Tidal, Instagram, Instagram and all other major streaming services. And with DistroKid, you can upload new releases, see your financial progress, get notified when you've earned royalties, withdraw money from the app, view and share links, check your streaming stats, and a whole lot more. DistroKid has more features than any other music distributor. Check them out today. Go to distrokid.com, that's distrokid with a capital K, dot com slash VIP slash undermine for a special offer only for our listeners. That's DistroKid, capital K, dot com slash VIP slash undermine. Thanks, DistroKid. Hey, what's up? My name's Lurk, and I'm the host of Lamb Van Flip podcast. Every week, I have in-depth conversations with bands from all over the scene, big and small. We also like to keep our finger on the pulse and showcase up-and-coming bands on the show as well. So come check out Lamb Van Flip podcast.
1: We are back with our guest, Jesse Jarno, and we're talking about December 11th, 1997, a fantastic show so far anyway. Let's see if set two holds up. Uh, Jesse, let's allow you to plunge right in and answer that question. Fish almost burned down the stadium in Rochester with a smoking hot first set. I'm sure the
2: audience was just stoked. Did they come out
1: strong for set
2: two? They sure did, Tom. I mean, I guess, you know, my main physical (laughs) memory of that show is just, how dumpy an arena that place was in, uh-huh. and just the in, in just the nice in the the most fun way. Just like, all right, this is our place now, you know. Like, you, it didn't feel like you know there was like a gazillion security guards. You had to be like nice to the place. It was just this dumpy place. And <laughs> I'm sorry if, if the people who run that place are. are <laughs> I don't even know if it's still open if they're listening. But it was just you know this you know, funky. Everyone's like sort of shoved into the GA floor. It was freezing cold out
1: concrete music
2: hole. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) That just like, you know, you read these stories about like the dead, the dead touring these like ugly ass hockey places in upstate New York. And this is like, that is like, so it kind of, it felt like that. And it was, (laughs) you know, definitely super wintry out. So it was really nice to be packed into this like hot floor full of fish heads. Um, (laughs) You know, and yeah, they came out. And they fucking tore the place down. So you know, one another to talk slightly more about what we were, what I said during the last set about how you know keeping up with this unreleased Fish music. You know, lots of bands. You have your favorite album by the band. You go to the show. You hope they play this stuff from your favorite album. With Fish, you know, you've got your favorite live tapes that you listen to over and over and over again. So one for me that was like hanging over this whole period was New Year's 95. That was a tape that the, you know, the three set show from the garden I listened to over and over and over again, which has the incredible drowned on it. And so that's a song I was actually at Halloween 95. um, I did not at New Year's 95, but the New Year's 95 drown was like, ah, I want to hear that again. So for like the, you know, almost two years at this point, I've had the New Year's 95 tapes. I want to hear them play drown and jam out. And they I think it came back the week before Rochester. I think it came back in like Philly, maybe. Um, but it was definitely the first time I had seen them play it since since then. And it did not disappoint. That drown just, you know, goes into the rip current and they just, you know, soar outwards. And it's one of those things that's funny now, because it's like you know that they're kind of they have the goal of, you know, we're gonna debut Rose, you know, Roses are free is debuted in this set. And you know, that's one of those things. It's like, I wish I knew the mechanics of like, well, what did they say before they went on stage? Okay, we're gonna go out, we're gonna like jam, drown for a little bit, then we're gonna go into roses are free. It's like, how do you like plan that out? Cause it's there's kind of a moment early in the jam where it like could have turned like directly into the beginning of Roses are free almost. And then they kind of like they push it open, kind of like that disease and it kind of gets out into all these other spaces almost to the point where it's like when they finally do segue into Roses Are Free, it's almost like it feels like a left turn in a way that it wouldn't yeah. have 10 or 15 minutes earlier into the jam, but obviously wouldn't want them to have done that. <laughs> um, but yeah. it's, that was such a great, that, I mean, that whole, that sequence of just the big energy jam and the way it flows into Roses was so great. And it's one of those things where I, you know, I didn't, I was not cool enough to know Roses Are Free. I wrote it down in my little note in my notebook, Christmas tune. That's what I wrote it down. I think that the line, you know, the the, the whole the line about the the, the yeah. pumpkin at the tree. You know, oh, it's a holiday song, you know. Tinsel yeah. on the tree, yeah. <laughs> um and my friends, my <laughs> friends who I was with uh did know it. They were they were definitely, you know, they they hit me to what it was. And I knew who we I knew uh push the little daisies from from summer camp. Um so I knew who I knew who we I knew who they were, but I didn't, you know, not well enough. no roses are free. But it's a song that even if you don't it's just such a great song that it's like you don't have to be familiar with it it's just it's just instantly so good it's you know it's a yeah. class classic rock tune.
1: course, Ween had to pretend that they were offended that Fish covered it.
2: <laughs> right, they, that 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 whole part of it. I too, mean,
1: too cool for school.
2: I mean, yeah. I'll you know I'll admit I'm one of those people who became a Ween fan after you know I mean I knew who they were and it's not like I you know didn't <laughs> like them but I didn't certainly didn't know any Ween albums um, before that. But <laughs> so so a slightly bigger picture thing that's kind of funny about Roses Are Free that none of us you know we didn't think about until after we started hearing the tapes of the tour. So. I can't believe Dayton was only four days before, before Rochester. Yeah. Like, did I really yeah. go to class for four days? What did I do between those shows? Um, apparently, I went to class. But so, you know, in Dayton, they play Boogie on Reggae Woman for the first time since the 80s, I think. Um, or did they, they play that in Europe? I can't remember. No, if I, if no it the Europe. first one
0: since, the, yeah, hundreds but and there, hundreds of shows.
2: So that one had, Boogie on Reggae Woman and Rose Free basically have the same melody. The the guitar solo and boogie on reggae woman, when you listen to the the Dayton version, is basically the he's basically playing Roses Are Free. And you hear that, you know, like, oh, and I, I just I don't think I've ever seen anyone ask them about this. It's such a small, minute thing to ask about. But it's like, were you listening to Stevie Wonder on the bus? And then somebody's like, Oh, this sounds like roses are free. Were you listening to R- Ween on the bus? And someone was like, Oh, this <laughs> sounds like Stevie Wonder. Like, what was the whole I feel like those two songs came out, you know, got got busted out in such close pairing hmm. that there had, you know, there's, there's, it had to have been, there had to have been a, a connect. Somebody in the band had to have made that connection. Um, so, and, and, you know, both of them become, you know, part of the the, the repertoire in that way, but yeah. So, and then, totally. yep. yeah. Um, and then right into, you know, big black fairy creature from Mars, which is, you know, one of the one. Yeah. I'd seen that before, but it was still, you yeah, know, it's always fun to hear. But then the thing that I, one of the things I love about this set is that noise thing that happens after Big Black Furry Creature before they land in Ghostworth. It's like, I don't know how long it is. It's five, seven, eight, nine minutes, something in there. Incredible. And it's really the uncertainty of it is kind of what jumped out at me. In 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 a nice way that it's like they 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 don't know what they're doing. They you know it's like they don't know that they don't know what's coming next. There's not a set list. It's like clearly they've you know they they've 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 they're off the cliff at that point. You know they're they're hovering in space and it's that uncertainty really grabbed me in a nice way. Like that there was not a game plan. There was not like okay we're going to do this 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 and this and it was like they just reached this point and it's yeah they they just hang there um and eventually count off in, into into that you know ghost that the ghost that struck me as like oh, the, limb by limb didn't feel like raw to me necessarily, but ghost kind of did um that that was that was a little bit of a surprise to me how 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 early the ghost felt like in the the spec- you know the spectrum of that tune, um yeah. just the way they're feeling it it could be that there's less. Layers on it, like there's less guitar loops, there's less synths, there's less. Maybe I'm just used to the uh, the current sound of that song and or the current way they sort of feel that groove. But um man, felt, I have to felt, say, yeah, just
0: there. Sorry, when I was listening yeah. back to this, I was thinking, like, I just kept saying to myself, like, take it easy, guys. Just take it <laughs> easy during this ghost jam. I just, just like it's down, like, relentless, and it's you know, like toward the end of this show and Man, I mean, and then back into the you know Down with disease into Johnny B. Good, just like incredible fit. I mean, absolutely relentless. You know, yeah, totally, totally. Um, I got just Tom. I have to ask you because this there was some this some footage from the show which was famously used in Bittersweet Motel. But yeah. I know that you also were present for some time. I think you were maybe behind the camera when Todd Phillips was recording for for some for some portion of time, but we haven't talked about it on this season at all, and it, it, there is some footage from this tour, but how do you look at that movie now, like, you know, a couple decades removed from it?
1: It's kind of funny. I think Jesse already said the uh, the Fish book became like a snapshot of 97, and so did this, right? Um, but I remember it so fondly because Todd and his uh, camera and sound guys uh, were backstage, and I was backstage a lot back then, and we were kind of inseparable. Um, and I remember following them around in Madison square garden and with my pals, uh, Tebow and Richard Gare at the went. Um, but it was, um, it was in Barcelona where we really hung out. Um, and I remember standing right behind them in the hall of the hotel when we woke up John Fishman for that morning interview (laughs) and you can tell he had a tough night. He might've still been having the tough (laughs) night. Um, and he says something like what time was the interview? And Todd says right now. And John says, that's not happening and closes the door. (laughs) Yeah. And I, I always liked the film and it captured an important moment in in fish. And thanks for reminding me to, to
2: rewatch. It's been a while. It's, it's, I mean, seeing that film after, you know, when it came out, it was, and having, you know, experienced that whole period as a fan, it was a little, it was, it was interesting to see it because it's in the film it's all out of sequence as far as like, if you're a fish head and you know, you know how these things unfold like, I think I can't remember what the exact thing is. I, th- I think they, the, the stuff from the great went when they, you know, the whole con- the whole offstage conversation we played, you know, we played a bad set. Like that whole thing comes at, I think that's in like near the end of the film when in, in, you know, like storytelling wise, oh, that's the beginning of the story when they decide that they're not going to do the no analysis rule. Right. You know, or they they are going to do no and out. They're, they're not going to analyze anymore. And it's like that thing that you put at the end of the movie is actually what triggered the thing that started the next year. You know, I kind of wish there could be like a fish head recut of all that material. You know, I mean, I love the movie also because it does. It captures that complete moment of insanity. That's really a turning point for fish as well. And, you know, musically and otherwise, Um, They kind of turn into this different band in 97 and it captures that moment so, so vividly. Um, But I feel like it could have treated the music slightly differently. I guess that was, you know, that's my nerdy. (laughs) That was my nerdy take on it when it came out in 2000, 2001. I can't remember when it came out, but.
1: um, Like song remains the same. You can't really get, uh, you know, the music, all the jams get cut in that. I just remember thinking like this could be the perfect Led Zeppelin movie and then. Every single jam is cut. But well, they didn't.
2: They didn't reshoot any of Bittersweet Motel on the soundstage and pretend it was Madison Square Garden, though. Oh, all right. <laughs> yeah, good point. <laughs> um, yeah. Oh, yeah. The yeah, there is some from Rochester in this though. There's, I think, Waste is in the movie, and I oh. think is the is the. I feel like there's a montage set to punch you in the eye from the beginning, yeah. but I can't remember if the montage is the Rochester version or like the Great Went version. Yeah. Either way, <laughs> I, I wish there, I, when it came out, the Rochester show was, pro, I'm, I'm almost certain that was the one, man, I wish they they filmed that, they, they filmed that whole show and they put the waste in and they skipped the, you know, all the crazy jamming and stuff. You know, that was, that was my hot fish head take when it came out. Certainly not the part that was sympathetic to the filmmaker trying to tell a story. Right,
0: right. <laughs> well, this, this is amazing and I will say that Jesse, we have probably many more things to talk about, but um, we are required by law to to <laughs> to shut the, the conversation well, down okay, be, well, before it
2: before it goes too far. Okay. Well, I do have a couple a couple tiny more things to throw on the back yeah. end if we can. Please. One um, one is just looking at the set list for set two. Uh, struck by except for the Down with Disease reprise, none of these things are on Fish albums at that point. That that mm. you know that sort of goes along with what I was saying about how fun it was to be kind of like feel like you're in on the secret you know Like you know drown and johnny be good at the beginning and the end of the set if you're a classic rock fan you probably know those tunes right you know but you know you certainly don't know ghost at that point unless you've been like keeping up with fish same with you know big black fairy creature from mars you know just just the way everything fits together you kind of have to know the language of it and that was such a such an important part of it in addition to it being just exceptionally good music like that you were clued into the way that it fit together. Um, and that felt, it It just felt really special. Um, and in, in, at the moment in that way, you know, that, that was like part of it. In addition Interesting. to, in addition to, that was a sick show. It was like, that was a sick show by this like secret cool band that we know these songs. And, you know, this is sort of our, our thing. Um, yeah. That it was a really, you know, it was like a two-year window between Billy Breathes and Story of the Ghost. Billy yeah. Breathes was at Fall 96 and Ghost came out in, in Fall 98. 98, yeah. And yep. those, yeah. those, that two-year window is when, you know, you you, and Trey, Tom, were so just relentlessly prolific. Super busy. It, it's Super just like busy. Yep. It's all these songs. And it's like there's some that I still don't even real. you know, like there's some that's like I remember they exist, but it's like I, I don't think I could hum you bye-bye foot, you know, that kind of. But it's just like... <laughs> But it, not a bad thing. It's just like, I love the, you know, any band. I love the period when they're just like writing 30 or 40 songs and then, you know, sorting it out later, you know, just yep. like... Because yep. um, it feels like they're kind of... And it, I say this in a general way, Fish included in this, but any any band that does this, it feel like they're kind of like pushing beyond the narrative of what you expect out of a, a rock band. Like, you know you know, album tour, album tour you know you know that whole thing and it's like really creating their 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 own terms of existence. Um, Perfect. and that Perfect. was um so the one other little tiny story I do absolutely feel compelled to add here you can edit out if you need to. <laughs> uh so one of my memories of the show is how crazy how crazily it was snowing afterwards. It was definitely a, I don't know if you it a blizzard but it was an insane snowstorm. I was a freshman in college. It's a pretty innocent freshman in college I'd smoke Grass a couple of times at that point, but I was not a pothead by any stretch. This is the, after the show. We're getting in the car to drive back to Binghamton where we're staying. And my friend and I decided oh, we're, we're gonna get a we're gonna get a pot rice crispy treat, which is a new delicacy to me. I'd never ever had a pot edible in my life before. <laughs> and I had smoked weed a couple of times in my life, but you know, it was, it was it was okay, but this was so. My friend had this right stale end of tour rice krispie treat, and that was really that night after the show was kind of the first time I ever really got stoned, <laughs> and, and, which was kind of a big moment in my own personal life that has nothing to do with the arc of the Fish Tour, but I have just this. Distinct memory of driving back, my friend Evan driving the car back to Rochester through the snowstorm. He had thankfully not eaten any of of, of this (laughs) hot Rice Krispie treat, or maybe it was a Fruity Pebbles Rice Krispie treat. And now that we know what dosages are, I wish I knew how much was actually in this. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, I I wish it was in a five milligram pot thing. Was it 10, 20? you You never knew in those days. But I remember the snowstorm was like um, when you go to Lightspeed in Star Wars. <laughs>
1: like watching watch
2: through the front windshield of just the snow, like, you know, tracing lines. And then the real thing that I remember about this night is that the brand new TV show that, that year, that fall was South Park, <laughs> which I had seen the bootleg version of The Spirit of Christmas whenever that had gone around on VHS, but I hadn't seen the real TV show. And my friend had a tape of all four or five or six episodes, however many episodes of South Park existed at that point. My friend had them all on one tape and we got back to his house and, you know, I'm stoned for like the first time ever. And we just watched the first four episodes of South Park, probably twice, you know, each. And it was just the funniest fucking thing on the planet. (laughs) You know, like we had to stop the tape because we were crying, laughing, literally crying, laughing. And, you know, it's just a teenage moment, nothing to do with fish. Just, Discovering weed <laughs> after after, awesome. after the after the Fish Rochester show. So I'm, that, I'm that glad didn't, you added that. I'm glad you and, added that. Another reason why it's just burned in my memory forever. Um and then got up and did it again the next day. The the going to see fish, not the eating a pot <laughs> oh, <laughs> and watching South Park for however many hours. But um oh, man. That's awesome. Yeah, that was a that was a fantastic fucking weekend. Oh my God. <laughs>
1: That is amazing. And, uh, well, thank you for sharing that memory. (laughs) I, uh, I think that's going to do it for us today. Um, thank you, Jesse, so much. And, uh, thank you, RJ, the, uh, the, my co-host, the King of Osiris, r Jason B. And thank you all for listening and to the Osiris team. And thanks, Cash or Trade, the world's only social network where fans buy, sell, and trade tickets at face value. Check out I, all the tickets at cashortrade.org. Uh, I,
2: I look forward to your 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 play-by-play of the J. Willis Pratt set tomorrow.
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah, It's happening.
1: If you're keeping up at home, uh, the next show tomorrow is the first of two shows, the band Uh, closes the tour with in Albany, New York. And I was there and I've got to go re-listen right now. We'll talk tomorrow. Thanks, you guys.
2: (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Thanks. Uh,
1: uh. Osiris. Hi, this
0: is Paul Phelps.
2: Bowie, Dylan, Marley. You've heard the names and maybe you've heard their songs. But what about the stories behind the records that made titans of music like these so universally loved and important? Join me, Josh Adam Myers, host of The 500, as each week I go through a different album from Rolling Stone Magazine's 500 Greatest Albums list from 2012 with an incredible lineup of comedians, actors, and musicians talking about how the music has impacted their lives. New episodes of The 500 come out every Wednesday. Listen now wherever you get your podcasts.